It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, March 20th, the first day of spring. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Insulin prices have long been a flashpoint between pharmaceutical companies and consumers. But Governor Gavin Newsom has announced a partnership that would drop insulin costs from $300 per 10 milliliter vial to $30. This and more ahead on the California Report. National Native News takes us to Kodiak Island off the coast of Alaska, and KVMR's Martin Webb sits down with founding director of Earth Justice Ministries, Sharon Delgado. The two discuss the local response to a national climate and banking movement. Keep it tuned to hear what's in store for March 21st. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom has announced a 10-year partnership with the generic drug manufacturer Civica to produce affordable state-branded insulin. To address the underlying costs by lowering the cost and providing it at cost to customer, regardless whether or not you have insurance. This is a big deal, folks. This is not happening anywhere else in the United States. During a news conference this weekend in Los Angeles, Newsom said that under the deal, a 10 milliliter vial of insulin, which would normally cost $300, would be made available for just $30. The product is not expected on store shelves until next year, at the very earliest, and there are still some hurdles to clear. The state and Civica are working to find a manufacturing facility, and the partnership and drug will still need FDA approval. A last-ditch effort to avert a three-day strike by the Los Angeles Unified School District employees appears to have failed. The strike is scheduled to begin tomorrow and will result in school closures for the state's largest school district. L.A. Unified has requested an injunction from the California Public Employment Relations Board, but that request was denied over the weekend. The district hopes for a ruling in its favor later today. Local 99, which represents thousands of cafeteria workers, bus drivers, custodians, and other employees, says the purpose of the strike is to protest alleged unfair labor practices by the district. Support for the California Report comes from Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org Is this a possible solution to climate change? Capture the greenhouse gases warming our world and just bury them underground? Well, such a carbon storage facility has been proposed for part of Kern County. I went to go see it. In the Elk Hills, 20 miles west of Bakersfield, you see and hear oil pumps everywhere. After all, drilling has been going on here since 1911 a quarter of a century before oil was first struck in Saudi Arabia, and Elk Hills is still one of the most productive petroleum fields in the U.S. 
But now, as a way to fight climate change, there's a proposal to open California's first commercial carbon dioxide storage facility here. That would basically turn the Elk Hills, a cradle of fossil fuel exploitation, into an enormous subterranean vault for the fossil fuel gases heating up our planet. It's capturing carbon dioxide and storing it underground for permanent storage. So you put it back in the earth so it doesn't go into the atmosphere. That's correct. Right. That's Chris Gould, a vice president with the California Resources Corporation. It's the big oil and natural gas company that owns Elk Hills and wants to develop the carbon storage facility here it calls TerraVault. Standing with me on a viewpoint overlooking the landscape, Gould says his company has petitioned the federal government to store more than 40 million tons of CO2 here. That's equivalent to the annual emissions of about 200,000 cars. But that's just a preview of the company's ambitions, as it proposes storing CO2 at other sites in the state. We're just getting started, right? We have announced that we're bringing uh, a billion tons of storage capacity to the California market, which is a, a significant portion of California's emissions that we can store away. Like other parts of the world, California energy officials support carbon capture and storage, saying it's a necessary tool to stave off climate change and create a carbon-neutral economy. And interest is soaring among energy companies looking to profit off of storing CO2, says Danny Cullen Ward. He studies the economics and public policy of carbon storage at American University. So there's a literal gold rush in the private investment space right now as people are seeing the potential to earn massive amounts of money by putting CO2 underground. But there are plenty of concerns around carbon capture and storage proposals. For instance, historically, pumping CO2 back into the ground has been used not to help the environment, but as a way to exploit hard-to-reach fossil fuel deposits. Correct. There have been widespread deployment of these technologies across the U.S. for a couple of decades now, and they're almost all for the purposes of increasing oil and gas production. The California Resources Company says it won't do that at Elk Hills. The business plan is not to utilize the CO2 to produce additional hydrocarbons. In no way, shape, or form for your company. Correct. But another concern is the possibility of accidents and pipelines that would have to be built to get the CO2 from polluters to the storage sites. Such worries have already sparked opposition in states like Iowa, where one proposed pipeline would cross hundreds of miles of farmland. If we stand united and say not on our farms, you will support the overwhelming majority of Iowans and vote against this pipeline. Thank you. Then there's the issue of how businesses will make money off of storing CO2. Some revenue will come from companies paying to have their carbon removed and stored. Other revenue will come from government incentives and tax credits. Again, here's Chris Gould with the California Resources Corporation. Right, so for every ton of carbon dioxide stored underground, we are able to collect incentives that produce the revenue that covers the cost of storing the CO2. But energy analyst Danny Cullen Ward is suspicious of government incentives to store carbon and says they could backfire. I just wanted to flag for you, when a a project earns a low-carbon fuel standard credit, that credit gives permission to sell more gasoline and diesel in the state. So it doesn't lead to a reduction in emissions. It actually enables an equal and offsetting higher amount of emissions, um, period end. The California Resources Corporation says it's confident about its carbon vault plan for Elk Hills and believes it can start storing CO2 there as soon as next year. 
And that's the California Report for Monday, March 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That way you can catch up on Golden State News any time of day you'd like. You can also ask your smart device to play the California Report. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Kodiak Island lies off the southern coast of Alaska. The population of over 13,000 experienced food shortages throughout the pandemic. But due to some novel thinking on the part of a group that includes the island's indigenous tribe, they were able to fill the community's freezers. Stick around for the details on National Native News. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Food shortages and higher costs were among challenges experienced in rural Alaska during the pandemic. Old Harbor on Kodiak Island had its community bison herd and gardens to fall back on. These are part of efforts to make food more available and affordable. The Old Harbor Alliance, a group which includes the tribe, the city, and the village's native corporation, bought the bison in 2017 from a rancher on the other side of Kodiak who had bears preying on the herd. The bison were barged to Sitkalitic Island, a protected space just across from Old Harbor. A lot has happened since the 40 animals were brought to the island. The Alliance recently built a processing plant to butcher surplus animals. Old Harbor freezers are now full of bison meat, distributed to the community with priority to elders. Melissa Burns-Sabota, who manages the herd, says it's taught the community an important lesson. Anything's possible. I mean, this was kind of a pie-in-the-sky dream that I've heard our leadership talking about since the early 2000s. And they kept on pushing for it, and we made it happen. The Alliance took a big step in 2020 when they brought three bulls from the Fort Peck Indian Reservation in Montana to improve the herd's diversity. The bison, which were surplus animals from Yellowstone National Park, had to travel in trucks, airplanes, and barges to reach their final destination. They've got their little harems, and they've been there for about three years, so we definitely have their offspring out on the landscape already. As the herd continues to grow, the bison have fed Old Harbor Spirit with hunts that bring the community together. The Old Harbor Alliance's long-range goal is to use surplus animals to grow the community's cash economy through visitor hunting permits and the sale of meat. Any profits will be used to support the meat processing plant and community gardens, as well as cultural programs which teach children about Aleutic language and heritage. A Michigan tribe has been awarded a $100,000 federal grant to study creating its own power utility. Mark Richardson has more. The Little River Band of Ottawa Indians will use tribal energy capacity grant funding from the Bureau of Indian Affairs to perform a tribal utility authority feasibility study. Eugene Magnuson is the executive director of the tribe's economic development arm, Little River Holdings. He says the tribe sees operating a power utility as a way to exercise its independence, diversify its holdings, control its energy future, and reduce costs. Energy sovereignty, I think, is the next arena that tribes are starting to look at. And one of the ways is going through solar, wind, and all those technologies that are available for tribes to get into. There are currently more than 30 tribal utility authorities across the country, including the Saginaw Chippewa Indian Tribe of Michigan. The Little River Band was among 18 tribal entities funded during the Bureau of Indian Affairs' January round of grant awards. 
The tribe is located in Manatee County in the northwest part of Michigan's Lower Peninsula. The tribe's main income enterprise is the Little River Casino Resort north of the reservation. Mangison says electricity to operate a casino can be costly. The tribal utility entity was created to actually wheel power off the grid. And because of the tribal sovereignty, we could procure the electricity off from the grid at wholesale. Magnuson says tribal leaders have not yet set a deadline to complete the study. I'm Mark Richardson. A group of Apache people and their allies are headed back to federal court in efforts to protect the sacred site Oak Flat in Arizona from mining. On Tuesday, the Ninth Circuit will hear arguments in Apache Stronghold versus United States after the court decided last fall to hear the case in front of a full panel of 11 judges. The hearing is taking place in Pasadena, California, and will be live streamed on the court's YouTube channel. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for the menu comes from Spirit Mountain Roasting Company, a small batch specialty coffee roaster located on the Fort Yuma Quetzon Reservation. Information and online ordering at spiritmountainroasting.com news. Support by the Gathering of Nations Powwow, a live event taking place April 27th, 28th, and 29th on the powwow grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, trader's market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at gatheringofnations.com and at the gates. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at your local news. The Nevada County Office of Emergency Services has announced initial findings from their Winter Storm Building Damage Survey. The survey is designed to gather information from residents and businesses on damage from the storm, some dubbed Snowpocalypse. Nevada County OES says, to date, total reported countywide damages for local municipalities, schools, and partner organizations total nearly $5 million. Over 800 residents have taken the storm survey thus far, reporting around $21 million in total losses. OES says they're working with the county's economic development staff to produce a specific business impact survey that will be released shortly. You can still take the Winter Storm Building Damage Survey at the county website, nevadacountyca.gov. Tahoe National Forest is hiring for several permanent fire, recreation, and trails positions. The organization announced a variety of openings, including dispatch, engine crews, fuels management, helitack, and hotshot crews, in posts such as Camptonville, Nevada City, Truckee, and Sierraville. As for recreation and trails positions, Tahoe National Forest says they're looking for individuals to maintain trails, help with campground operations, and work in conservation education. Find out more information at the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Forest Service website. Moving on to your local forecast from the National Weather Service. The weekend storm has wound down, but Eric Kurth, a meteorologist at the NWS, says to expect a new round of wet weather late this evening. Valley and foothill showers and moderate mountain snow return late tonight and early Tuesday and continue through Wednesday. Isolated thunderstorms, mainly from I-80 southward, may arrive Tuesday, bringing hail. Abnormally cool temperatures will remain through early next week, 
with the coolest mornings expected over the weekend. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight increasing clouds with a low around 35 degrees, a 30% chance of showers after 11 p.m. Tuesday, showers and a high near 49. New precipitation between a quarter and a half of an inch is possible. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight increasing clouds with a low around 21 degrees, a 30% chance of snow showers after 5 a.m. with new snow accumulation of less than half an inch possible. Tuesday, snow showers mainly after 8 a.m. with a high near 35 degrees. One to two inches of new snow accumulation is possible. The National Weather Service has issued a winter storm watch for the Truckee Tahoe area. It remains in effect from Tuesday morning through Wednesday morning. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight increasing clouds with a low around 44 degrees, a 40% chance of showers after midnight. Tuesday, showers with a high near 54. New precipitation between a quarter and a half of an inch is possible. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The big four banks, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citibank, pour billions into funding fossil fuels. How do your bank accounts factor into the equation? In search of answers, Martin Webb, host of the Climate Report on KVMR, speaks with Sharon Delgado. Delgado is a local retired United Methodist minister and founding director of Earth Justice Ministries. The two discuss the National Day of Action climate demonstration, taking place March 21st, rain or shine, aimed at the big four in direct response to their investments in the fossil fuel industry. A lot of us try to be environmentally responsible. Here in Nevada County, we recycle, we try and reduce our carbon footprints in various ways. But what people don't always realize is that our banking choices can have a far greater impact on climate and on our carbon footprint than even anything that we can do uh, on a personal level. And it's a systemic change to change our banks because it is something that we are going to be doing together as an orchestrated event. That's the campaign banking on our future. The people who started this were Bill McKibben, his new group, Third Act, which he started when he became 60 years old, and it's a group of elders, and that's the group that started this campaign. But it's really going to be an event for all ages, and now a lot of other groups have signed on. There's Green Faith, Sierra Club, 350.org, Climate Reality, Stop the Money Pipeline, the Hip Hop Chorus, and many, many other organizations. Locally, Earth Justice Ministries, Sierra Foothills Elders Climate Action, Nevada County Climate Action Now, and the Nevada County Sunrise Movement. We've all come together to get this action on March 21st at 3.30 at uh, Brunswick and Sutton to get that started. Yeah, it's fascinating that indeed you'll be at one of the corners where a lot of banks that serve the local community are located. So that'll be sending quite an interesting message. So what I'm hearing, though, is that for folks who for whatever reason, might find that their schedule doesn't allow them to attend, you're trying to spread awareness that there's things to be done, even if you're not going to be there, that um, a big part of climate action is not just perhaps what we do individually, but what other people do on our behalf. And it's true that 
research shows that a lot of these major banks are still financing fossil fuel projects. And people might not realize that that's being done with their money if they're banking there. Is that sort of the message you're sending? That's the message. Yes. And they are still funding fossil fuel projects. And if you do that, you're creating infrastructure that will keep us locked into using those fossil fuels for decades because it's long-term infrastructure. And these are the top four banks in the world that invest in fossil fuels, but these top four are in the United States. You can look at our uh, website or contact us for more information. You can contact us at dayofaction at earth-justice.org. Dayofaction at earth-justice.org. Yeah, and I want to say a little bit more about what our plans are for that day. First of all, we're going to be at the intersections at whatever corners we take. There will be some songs, there will be banners, there will be signs that whatever anybody wants to bring. And then some people are going to take a little procession and walk to the different banks. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Chase are the ones that are nearby. And some of those folks are planning to close their accounts and cut up their credit card right then at that time. And by the way, we will be talking to the bank managers in a, in a very respectful way. We Not all the bank managers and, and certainly not tellers even know that these banks are investing our money in, in fossil fuels. So this is the Banking on Our Future National Day of Action, March 21st. Locally, it will be from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. at the corner of Sutton and Brunswick, near the cluster of banks that you're actually talking about. And for more information, people can email dayofaction at earth-justice.org. Well, thanks for joining us. This has been Sharon Delgado, again, a local retired United Methodist minister, author, and a founding director of Earth Justice Ministries. Thanks for joining us. You can listen to Martin's full interview with Sharon Delgado on the March 9th edition of The Climate Report, which is up on kvmr.org. That's our newscast for Monday, March 20th. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue, Nevada City, fourpawsac.com. And Simply Country, family-owned farm and feed stores since 1964 carrying organic feed, alfalfa, and supplies, and food for farm animals and pets, from parakeets to horses. In Grass Valley and Penn Valley, simplycountry.net. We'd like to take a moment to say a huge thank you for your support during our Kindness of Strangers, Kindness of Neighbors membership drive. This community radio station would not be here without this community. Thank you. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.